0: Electric companies in America going Chapter 11 to avoid being sued because of starting one of the biggest fires in our nation's history. They killed
1: many, many people, yes, and destroyed many, many homes. And that big, giant electric company called by some Pacific Gas and Electric, or PG&E, uh, one of the most important and richest lobbyists of the government of California, consorted with said government to not prevent Fires. And then a bunch of people died in a fire. Also, now they're, uh, you know, uh, declaring bankruptcy. Also,
0: looks like there's a number of uh, payouts and stock shenanigans perhaps going on by the people at the very
1: top. Guaranteed. As they head out the door with lots of money. Oh my God. You, your powerful utilities. Now I don't care where you are or what your utilities call. The powerful utilities and the tentacles they have into your state governments is d- d- often almost always a beautiful example of socialized losses and privatized profits guys at the top make lots and lots and lots of money when times are good when times are bad well we can't go out of business people need their electricity i guess the taxpayers will have to bail us out happens all the time it's really quite disgusting oh speaking of energy I, there's something wrong with my DVR. I keep getting like at 60 minutes late. It doesn't show up, and then two days later, it's there. I don't. I gotta fix it. But That's weird. I know. It's it's troubling. It's off putting. But I finally watched watch on the app online. That's when I watch. You know, I should. I, hey, I had no internet the entire weekend at my house, which also meant because I live in the boonies, I had no cell service. We were cut off. we were like the Donner Party. It, it was terrifying.
0: Very similar.
1: Well,
2: <laughs> you should have gone to a hotel. <laughs> Huh? Solid chance I wouldn't have showed up to work today if I had a similar experience.
1: <laughs> well, I had to show
2: up for the Wi-Fi. Um, uh,
1: yeah, but uh, actually, my 19-year-old daughter, who's home from college, and her uh, her boyfriend is at the other end of the country, she was sore vexed, as they said back in the old days. and She couldn't uh, communicate with the lad or uh, or uh, her friends or check her social media or anything like that. There is one place in our yard. We have a fairly large yard uh, again, because we're kind of out in the country, there's one place in the yard. If you go, sometimes you can get one bar. You got to go out there and just pray, That's just when, hope that, that, that the wind shifts or or the leaves rustle in the right way. Or I don't know what, how cell signals work, but <laughs> <laughs> then all of a sudden your your phone lights up, news alert, text
2: with, oh yes,
1: yes, yeah. Then she could text her boyfriend. But so it was actually quite nice. It was uh, it was peaceful it was good but uh so i finally got around to watching the oac aoc yeah you know me uh what's her name Alexander- andromeda no
2: occipital close um castronova <laughs> almost alexandra ocasio cortez that's the one <laughs> so yeah a gal from new york last week 60 from minutes. the bronx okay yeah
1: i did i finally did and a couple of things struck me because she's been big news again this week You know what? She's she's in a battle with the
0: Joe Lieberman. What? You haven't been following that? Yeah, that's the weekend story with OAC. He's
2: on last weekend's AOC story. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Wait a minute. Why is she fighting with... Well, I got no internet. Why is she fighting with Joe Lieberman of Um, all people? He said Joe
0: Lieberman, who was uh, the vice presidential candidate under Gore. Is that right? Gore?
1: I believe so, and nobody cares. Go on.
0: Gore. Um, and then, uh, and then, kind of switched and was with John McCain when John
1: McCain ran. That's right, which was really an interesting deal. He crossed the aisle to be a running mate, got independent,
0: penalized for it somewhat, and then ran as an independent and won and was a U.S. senator.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: um, he said he hopes the future of the Democratic Party is not this uh, this person, this young woman, AOC. Yeah. Um, and she responded with some kind of cutesy text that I didn't quite understand, but was like. I think, basically, the message was, uh,
1: you're yesterday's Vildadio. Right. uh, Which, I understand her point. Yeah, one of the mainstreamers has a big article about how she's got all this Twitter power, social media power. They need to
0: fear her. But anyway, uh, he uh, he reiterated on Fox yesterday. He hopes she's not the future of the Democratic Party. He
1: doesn't think that's a national winning platform. Yeah. Well, a couple of observations. Number one, her teeth are frighteningly white, astonishingly white. There's no human being who's ever had teeth that color in the history of mankind. Well, didn't until we until es- now? Didn't we establish last week that seventy percent of her popularity is, is how cute and yes bubbly she is? Oh well, yeah. As we commissioned a social scientists to study the question, seventy percent roughly. Uh, and, and the whites of her eyes are every bit as white as her teeth are white. She's a shocking looking gal. Uh, She's reasonably bright, and I love citizen legislators. I don't mind the fact that she's a 28-year-old bartender waitress. I think that's fine. I'd be all for replacing all
0: 435 with bartenders from across America and letting them have a shot at it.
1: Yeah, yeah. As long as you know the bartenders are replaced with somebody, you know, (laughs) because I don't. (laughs) Right. I don't want to. I don't think anyone that served alcohol should be in public office. (laughs) Stop it. You be quiet. You know, to be fair, uh, to back up a little bit, she's wrong about everything. Before we get to you know.
0: To back up a little bit, she has a very similar platform to one Bernie Sanders, who is one of the hottest prospects in America, and he's not cute and young and bubbly. Right. right. Bite with, your tongue, sir. With the, <laughs> with the same message. so Sean's know, got a granddad complex. <laughs> more of it might be the message than, uh, that I'm getting credit for, because he was packing arenas across the country with that same message.
1: Yeah, it's, it's entirely possible. But what really strikes me is she, uh, what a poster child she is for the utterly unrealistic, the completely taken away by their dreams. Unicorn riding dreamers. She was going on and on, and it struck me because I've been reading about this. Uh, I think it was Friday. Um, going on and on about uh, being uh, the uh, the economy being one hundred percent green energy driven, which, according to green energy activists, is wildly unrealistic. There is no green energy that is capable of providing even a sliver of the power that we need to run the economy. Uh, wind power, solar power, way too uneven. And the capacity to store enough power from those sources for the down times to not be a big deal is, uh, it might be 50 years away. It's mind-bogglingly expensive to store the amount of, That they're talking about And and expensive is not a complaint I don't want to do it because it's expensive I'm talking about Taxes would have to be 85% And the economy Would grind to a halt In about a week and a half That kind of expensive Um, And environmentally Devastating If you had that many lithium ion Batteries around or that many solar panels Do you know what's in solar panels? Tons and tons of heavy metal. And what we're not dealing with is probably around 20 years from now, because the super boom in solar panels for in for uh, residential homes has been in the last 15 years. And so we're 10 to 20 years away from a mind-boggling number of dead old solar panels that somebody's got to do something with. And they're going to be absolutely full of the sort of stuff that we do not want leaching out of our landfills. Shoot them into space. Shoot them into space. That's exactly what I was leaning up to. No, so it's going to be a really expensive problem to deal with that stuff. And listen, I I cherish the First Amendment. And if if she has wackadoo policies that she wants to push, whether it's uh, universal health care, even for illegals, anybody who sneaks into the United States, which will bankrupt us, or she thinks that. Uh, we ought to be 100% green energy. Uh, that's fine. But it just really bothers me when everything Donald J. Trump says is quote-unquote fact-checked by a bunch of opinionated a people. point. But she says stuff that is just fanciful. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's like she's saying, we need to build prisons out of milk chocolate And then when people are hungry, we'll let the prisoners go and feed everybody the chocolate. (laughs) And Anderson Cooper says, well, uh, is milk chocolate strong enough to hold the prisoners? And she says, oh, yes. And he says, all right, moving along. Uh, Come where's the fact checks? You can't do this stuff.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh, build prisons out of milk chocolate. That's funny. Well,
1: it's about as realistic. I, look... I'm not a cynic. I'm not working for the oil companies. I wish, with all that is me, Joe Getty, we could run our economy on 100% green energy. That would be the greatest thing ever. Maybe it's the super genius uh, other story, the guy who's melting down plant materials or whatever from last week. That'd be great. It ain't happening.
0: So the Secretary of State says Saudi Arabia is looking for the real killers. Maybe they're out with OJ. Wow. Among other stories that we need to uh, to cover today. It's like he's not really the juice
1: anymore. I hear you, Ross. I think he so was uh, Robert Kardashian in that movie, Jack. David Schwimmer. Oh, right. Right.
0: Um, and some other uh, wranglings about foreign policy
1: decisions with Pompeo as he's traveling the world. And how expensive and ridiculous is Silicon Valley in California? Some folks uh, rented out a $1,500 a month apartment for their cats. Woo! You're listening to the
0: Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
0: The
1: conscience
0: of the nation.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: position can't be, we've got to force a shutdown, we're going to hold, what the Democrats are saying is we're
0: going to hold federal workers hostage. So that's Ted Cruz, who now has a beard, Senator from Texas, saying it's the Democrats that are uh, uh, responsible for these federal workers who aren't working the shutdown, and obviously the other side is trying to claim the other. There is polling out that shows more people currently believe it's the Trump-slash-Republicans fault for the shutdown one of our pundits last week. Lonnie, what's Lonnie's last name? I remember? Really Lonnie like Chen. Lonnie, Lonnie is my favorite pundit we have on. Smart guy, yeah. M- mostly because he agreed with me. <laughs> I don't I uh, I I I don't think who gets the blame for these shutdowns enters into the next election.
1: I, I right, I was going to say I understand why Ted is trying to spin that uh, because the conventional wisdom is somebody's to blame and it hurts them but uh, yeah, it's funny. I was going to say sure it the makes same. Not sure any thing. difference. Yeah, I, and especially this shutdown of a quarter of the government—I just nobody cares unless they are directly financially affected. The
0: latest poll from this is a CNN poll: fifty-five percent of respondents said Trump is to blame for the shutdown. Okay, um, I just—I'm just not sure it matters. The Republicans got quote, blamed for a shutdown uh, several years ago, then had a huge
1: electoral win the next election. Right. And sometimes it does. I'm just not sure it matters. Well, let's say it. it's a perfect example of the sort of story that's uh, mildly interesting, but the mainstream media inflates it to the size of a Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade balloon and then acts as it if, if it's a critical story that we all must understand and. And have an opinion on who will be blamed. It's not a big story. How about the
0: idea that 80% of families live paycheck to paycheck? Now, I don't know if that number's accurate or not.
1: I've heard similar numbers. That one's a little high, but I'll buy it's
0: close to that. I would guess it's the highest number out there just because it makes the story better. Sure, of but course, it, yeah. If it, if it were, you know, if it's even in that range, if it's two-thirds,
1: uh, is that a problem for society? Has it always been that way? I don't think it's always been that way. No, it's a huge problem. It's an absolutely enormous problem with society. The government we have reflects the people that we are, and we have an overspending, overconsuming people. We live for today. If right. I got enough money for today, I won't worry about the, the future. Right. We're kind of counting on everything being good. We're not saving for a rainy day. We're not putting away a chunk of what we earn, and or we're over-consuming. Well, and, not or, and. Um, just, you know, you look at, and listen, I'm not judging y'all. You live whatever life you want. It The personal part doesn't bother me unless I'm being asked to bail you out. Well, you will, though. <laughs> you will be asked that. Well, yeah. The government part bothers me a great deal because it is an enormous, incredibly um, immoral theft from children and grandchildren that they are going to have to pay our credit card bills as a nation. There's just no avoiding it. But... So, it does, if you have a giant house and, and a couple of big SUVs and you have no money in the bank, that's not my problem until it becomes my problem. So, I, I, you live whatever life you have, and I, I hope you have health and happiness. But if the average square footing per person, square footage, I should say, per person of the American household is now uh, 2.2 times whatever it is uh, between 1960 and now, um, that's interesting. That's a choice.
0: Well, and I've seen some of the government employees uh, portrayed, and they're they're talking about you know I'm not going to be able to do this, I'm not going to be able to pay that. Okay, um, I just would like to know for each individual case, what was your last year like? What do you drive? Do you drive a new car? Okay, right. I'm out. I don't. Want, I no longer care about your current financial situation if you have a a car that's less than two years old. Right. You
1: have seven thousand dollars in the bank, but you bought a new car. That's not my problem. Exactly. Not at all. Um, well, and also. And one of the attractions of a government gig is that you can live like it will always be there. Then the pension. Um, and I get it being a little shocking when it's not there, because that's part of the whole deal. Uh, it, is, it is. It would be fair to say, if there's
0: anybody that could live paycheck to paycheck and have a reasonable assumption that that's okay, it would be a, a federal employee. Right. Because you can't get fired, and you're going to get a pension. For the rest of us, it's insane to live that way because we could be fired any day and we got nothing coming. You're absolutely on a tightrope. Unless we've saved for ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Consumerism may well be what brings down the United States. I remember. And I, I say that because it's, like I said, the government reflects the society and we have gone from a saving cash society to a credit card in debt living on the edge society. And that's the only reason we tolerate it in our government. And and as uh, you know, the chairman of the Joyce Chiefs a few years back said, the only existential threat to the United States is our debt.
0: Yeah, well, a lot of my parents' generation just grew up with the assumption that you'll buy the car when you've saved up, up enough money to buy it. Right. Or the washing machine or whatever the heck it is. How many people think that now? Practically nobody.
1: Well, how many people even save up for half of the cost of their new car. I mean, Almost that, nobody. That would be an extraordinary I'm, thing to do. I'm guessing. Right. It's just a societal change. And again, I'm not judging you. I live the way you want to live. I'm, I believe in liberty. Do what you want to do. Just don't make me responsibili- responsible when you screw up.
0: Well, how about, uh, I'm thinking about some of the things my kid currently being taught in school um, that are clearly political. This is political. What if they taught in school you should have, I don't know, two months' salary saved and just hammered that home in classes over and over Mm -hmm. until it just, you know, got into your head that that's a good idea? Yeah. Why don't they teach that in school?
1: I think that's a great idea. As opposed to a lot of the social science garbage that they have shoved down their throats all the time.
4: That's indisputable. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Democrats going after Trump's translator, who was at the president's meeting with Putin. We got one of the largest utility companies in the nation going bankrupt. And exactly how far away you need to stand from somebody who's sick to avoid getting the flu. Coming up.
0: Mm. As far as possible. Yeah. Stay Stay away from me. me. I'm a very large personal space as it is. Maybe I'll make it even bigger. Uh, Stay tuned. You're listening to The Armstrong and Getty Show. numbers before we throw it to Marshall. Um, the ABC Washington News poll has 42% saying to support a wall, which is right around the president's approval rating, right. which is mm. not surprising since it has all become a symbol of you either support Trump or don't, including for the participants involved in the voting. I mean, because people who did support a wall now can't because they'd be part right. Trump supporters. Right. Um, among a uh, uh, Republicans, the support is way up. It's now up to 87% for the wall and 70% strongly supporting a wall. 87% oh. are Republican. Right, right. And the other poll number that I found interesting is now about three quarters of people say the shutdown is embarrassing for America. Although I don't know how you ask that poll question.
1: If Do you, you think the shutdown's embarrassing for
0: America? That's how i ask it. <laughs> well, and <laughs> yeah. I think you're going to get a lot of yeses. Yeah. Okay. It is embarrassing.
1: Bad, eh, a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've, I've said for a long time, it sounded so enlightened when I was young and dewy-eyed and wet under the collar or green under the eyeballs or whatever that saying is. Um, the, 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 listen, I don't vote for a party every time. I vote for the person who I think is the best. Li- so no matter what their policies are, so you're okay with free trade or not free trade, depending on who you like. You're okay with controlling the border or wide open borders, depending on who you think has the best character, you will go to war with Canada or be a complete committed peacenik depending on which person is most attractive and and speaks most eloquently on the stump. That's just dumb. It's about policy. It's about how we are going to conduct ourselves as a country. And you're either for having reasonable controls of the borders and reasonable uh, uh, immigration policies, or you're not. We have
0: breaking news, and I hate to usurp your news here, Marshall. Go ahead. You weren't going to talk about this anyway, I don't think. Uh, Trump has officially rejected Lindsey Graham's proposal for a three-week opening of the government. So cooler heads can uh, discuss. Trump says no way. And on it goes. So it ain't going to get solved anytime soon. Now with Marshall Phillips.
4: Well, there are no votes scheduled in Congress today aimed at ending the uh, shutdown the uh, shutdown, about a quarter of the federal government, now going into day number 24. And again, Trump just shooting down Lindsey's plan.
0: Which I think was the only hope for any solution anytime
1: soon. I'm here in mid to late February from wow. those who uh, read tea leaves. Uh, wow. I have no idea if that's true.
4: Meanwhile, Senator Dick Durbin said there are numerous questions regarding President Trump's relationship with Russian President Putin. And Durbin wants to know why they're, quote, so chummy. On ABC's This Week, the Illinois Democrat referenced the Washington Post story that came out over the weekend that said Trump has worked to hide the details of his private conversation with Putin in 2017. Why is this President Trump's best buddy? And when he takes the interpreter's notes and wants to destroy them so no one can see what was said,
0: you know, it raises serious questions about the relationship between this president and Putin.
1: You know, I don't know what happened in that meeting, and if it was untoward or unwise or traitorous or whatever, I'd like to know about it, and, and we'll all uh, deal with it then. But an absolutely legitimate alternative explanation is, in an era of rampant leaks, the president didn't want the interpreter to run to the New York Times from his... and, and select a juicy phrase or two and leak it so we could all get, set our hair on fire again.
0: From his first foreign policy conversation, yep. his first day in office with the leader of Taiwan, which leaked immediately, he hasn't been able to have any private conversations with anybody. Right. Uh, as far as meeting one-on-one, he's done that with all the world leaders that he's he's met with. That's just his style to meet with them on one-on-one, and he doesn't trust anybody to get the information. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you would negotiate uh, anything delicate right. in an environment where whatever you say is going to leak out. Right.
1: Right, I don't know what you do as any president. Again, I don't know what happened in that meeting, but if Donald J. were to have said, for instance, "Listen, I understand that the, our relationship, our country, has been really, really adversarial for a long time, and I get that you're threatened by, say, not having control of Ukraine because of the geographical realities of Russia, right. and they've been invaded, you know, across the steppes, blah, blah, blah. That's the study of your history, anyway. Um, and if you were to say something like," I get it. I have sympathy. I understand why you have to control Ukraine. But we have to have this. Well, if I'm a not particularly big Trump fan, interpreter, reporter, I'm going to grab that phrase. I understand why you have to have control of Ukraine. And, man, I'm going to blow that up into the biggest story. Trump betrays Crimea. Trump yanks carpet out from under Ukraine. Even if it's a a negotiating posture. Well, remember when uh, President Obama got
0: caught on Mike saying to the Russian leader at the time, we'll have more maneuvering room after the election. Right. And he got killed for that. Well, that's just the sort of thing you have to say behind closed doors to
1: negotiate. Right. A lot of y'all murdered Obama for that, verbally speaking. But that is the sort of thing you say. Hey, look, I'm going to come off as a hard ass for the next two months. I got to. All right. We'll talk again later. Now, I didn't have much appreciation for Obama's foreign policy. Hardly a bit of it. I thought it was awful. But I
4: get that. One of the largest utility companies in the nation, California's Pacific Gas and Electric, announcing plans to declare bankruptcy right around the end of the month and share prices are dropping fast. Under a new state law, the utility has to give at least 15 days notice to employees. Shares of the utility plummeting 55% on the news in pre-market trading dg and is facing billions of dollars in liability over its role in the recent California wildfire. Is this going to
0: end up being a handful of people walk out the door with a ton
1: of money, and then it's just like, you do whatever you want with it, I'm out now? Well, maybe. Here's here's a suggestion, Marshall, for you and, and everybody in the world. Yep. When you say they're filing for bankruptcy, you got to finish the phrase. They're filing for bankruptcy protection. protection. Right. Yeah. You don't file for bankruptcy and, and and say I'm so sorry, then everybody takes all your right. stuff and you're reduced. No, no, that's, the courts step in and say, all right, now let's all calm down. They've got to be able to keep certain assets, yeah. and 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 in the case of PG and E, it's just it's it's given a stiff arm to the families of the dead, the owners of the burnt down homes, right. the you know those affected by the horrific tragedies of the wildfires in California that were almost certainly started by.
4: You know, sparks are flying and then cables coming loose and the rest of it. All right, it's set. Pro Football's Championship Weekend is set. After defeating the Super Bowl champ Eagles, the New Orleans Saints host the Rams next Sunday in the NFC. And in the AFC, after eliminating...
0: Saints-Rams? Yep. Yes. In
1: Los Angeles? Yep. Very exciting. In the AFC.
4: Are they still playing
1: like a uh, Little League stadium, the Rams? (laughs) No, the Rams are playing a pretty decent place.
0: Yeah, so the yeah.
2: Chargers were the one that was in like right. the converted soccer. Yeah. There was yeah. some
0: talk that if the, that the Chargers ended up hosting, which they could have if the right teams had lost, right. that they were going to move the game mm. because the stadium was so small and lack of support. So right. sad.
4: Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. the AFC, after eliminating the oh. Los Angeles Chargers, the New England Patriots traveled to KC to face the Chiefs. Well, it well, that could that be, be one game. of the great football games ever. I- if it isn't, I'll be shocked.
1: Yeah, oh my God, Tom Brady and Patrick
4: Mahomes, oh please, please. There you go, that's a wrap, at your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation.
0: And you could be headed toward another Chiefs-Rams, which a lot of people think their regular season game was among the best games ever played in the insane. NFL. It was insane, yeah. I didn't yeah. see a second of it, but I've read about it. Yeah, yeah. How are ratings? Has anybody looked into that playoff ratings? Uh, last I heard, oh, playoff ratings—I
1: don't know that. Yeah. Last I heard, the regular season ratings actually had rebounded yeah. were pretty darn good.
0: <laughs> now that everybody's oh. forgot about the Colin Kaepernick,
1: Nealon, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of gone by the wayside. Poor guy can't get a job hauling a clipboard. Oh well, yeah. what are you going to do? Words have consequences, Jack. Artificial intelligence going to change
0: the world as much as electricity did? Yeah. That was the claim on 60 Minutes last night. Stay tuned for the Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation.
3: When I arrived in Tennessee, my principal took every lunch to teach me English. And that is the kind of attention that I've not been used to growing up in Asia. And I felt that the American classrooms are smaller, encouraged individual thinking, critical thinking. And I felt uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: Kai, it's good thing
1: that
3: sort of education
1: has been changed.
0: Kai-Fu Lee on 60 Minutes last night, he's a venture capitalist and one of the world's leading experts, if not the leading expert in artificial intelligence in the world, talking about the amazing effect it is going to have on mankind.
4: Do you think people around the world have any idea what's coming in artificial intelligence?
3: I think most people have no idea, and many people have the wrong idea. But you do believe it's going to change the world? I believe it's going to change the world more than anything in the history of mankind, more than electricity. Wrap your head around well, that statement. I can't.
1: I can't wrap my head around, like, geometry.
0: Well, uh, well we played his quote on Friday uh, in which he says 40% of jobs will be eliminated in the next 15 years by artificial intelligence, and it will go from there um, rapidly. So yeah, that's the figure in the near future. That yeah, that that alone is quite an upending of society.
1: If you remove purpose from a human being, really from uh, virtually any animal, they become suicidal. They become utterly unmotivated and and borderline to literally suicidal. And if we invent the means by which to remove necessity from human activity, I think the consequences will probably be awful.
0: Well, that's the emotional stuff. How about just the economics of it? What do you do if you got a whole bunch of people? There's no, there are no jobs to do. There are no jobs that need to be done. Right. There's no reason I would pay you to dig that ditch. We don't need a ditch there. Mm-hmm. There's no reason I'd pay you to do any of this paperwork stuff. A computer's doing
1: that. Well, you divvy up the profits that the robots are generating, and you feed the
0: humans. You just give it to people. Right. Well, that would be a major restructuring of society.
1: On a worldwide scale. Here's one possible self-correcting mechanism. And it's funny because I was just reading about the sex recession, which is worth discussing. Um nobody will reproduce either. If you remove necessity and purpose and all, we will not reproduce. Well, you're a fun sucker. I am a realist.
3: Uh more from K Fu Lee. In the early days of AI, people tried to program the AI with how people think so I would write a program to say uh, measure the size of the eyes and their distance measure the size of the nose measure the shape of the face and then if these things match then this is Larry and that's John but today you just take all the pictures of Larry and John and you tell the system go at it uh, you figure out what separates Larry from John I think that's an amazing point so uh
0: the idea that we thought we knew what made people look like what they are mm-hmm. and programmed the computers for it. At some point, we are able to, or we currently are able to have the computers. You tell us what's unique right. about that that's person's Larry, face. that's
1: John. What's the difference?
0: Yeah, you yeah. know more
2: about it than I do. Wow, yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> One of the more relevating... Relevations that I got? What? That's a bad sentence. Revelations? One of the things that I learned most from this episode was how China has the AI advantage simply from the fact that they have so many more people inputting data into these computer systems. Because they have a billion people all using the internet, all using social media, AI scales uh, directly with how much information it has. Hmm. So because they have so many more people inputting data in it, their systems are learning at a, at a rate that's a lot faster.
0: Whether you want to or not, Right? because right. they collect all the information on you. But yeah, that would be an advantage. Well, why not we? Why don't
1: we just jump well, to his... I'd imagine they're unconcerned with a lot of moral questions.
0: Yeah, why don't we just jump to his explanation of the difference between attitudes in the U.S. and China.
4: Is there a different expectation of privacy in China than there is in the United States? You, you've you had a foot in both worlds.
3: I, I do think Chinese users are not uh, scrutinizing uh, the, uh, the protection of privacy as much as the American users. I think some of it is cultural, some, some of it is due to uh, the fact that China grew up in, in technology whereas Americans have been using technology for a long time. Fundamentally, every Chinese wants his or her privacy protected. But it's just that when a company offers more services and convenience, uh, if you give up a little more privacy, that uh, trade-off can be different in China and U.S.
0: Well, I, I think that's well, interesting because I think we're headed that direction because sure. any young people I talk to, they, they, they're like, I don't understand why
1: you care. Yeah, lighten up, old man. Uh-huh. Well, I thought he described the situation in the U.S. pretty well. In China, it's a hopeless idea anyway having privacy you've got the world's most effective well large-scale effective uh, totalitarian regime looking at everything you do all the time so uh, you know if i'm average chinese guy i'm thinking okay so uh xi jinping and mark zuckerberg know where i am right now okay it's not zuckerberg i'm worried about
0: if it's only, if you don't even get into the privacy stuff, the facial recognition stuff, all the different things that totalitarian governments could do with AI, if you if you don't even touch on any of the, all the other things, if all you're talking about is the number of jobs that'll be eliminated, mm-hmm. that's a bigger change in world history than electricity. Right. If if half the jobs in the world disappear and aren't replaced by other jobs, I don't even know what happens then. I When electricity, I, I wasn't there for the conversation, but when electricity <laughs> hit the scene... <laughs> We'll have to ask Marshall. When electricity hit the scene. (laughs) um,
1: That's ageism.
0: (laughs) Michael gave me the thumbs up. Michael (laughs) likes a good ageist joke. That is great. (laughs) Um, When electricity hit the scene, I doubt anybody was thinking, well, this will ruin
1: the world and there's no coming back. I can't even imagine what. Well, I was just going to say, it's worth tipping our cap to the fact that every time a new technology has been introduced, and uh, the prediction has come that it will uh, devastate the economy because sure. it 'll put everybody out of work every single time it 's been wrong the you know brief explanation of why it could be right this time is now the machines will manage the machines and will manage the changes to the economy and will build other machines. You know the cotton gin was not building you know the the, the processing. Uh, manufacture. I'm sorry. The well, yeah, the manufacturing capability that became possible because the cotton gin. The cotton gin just ginned cotton. That's it. Artificial intelligence will do whatever is necessary, including hooking us all up to various pumps and needles like dairy cows and draining our vital <laughs> fluids. I don't understand. To feed the powerful. I'm not sure
0: why computers would do that. Why does a computer? <laughs> to
1: feed the powerful. <laughs> yeah, they need the energy source. Exactly. So they're going to drain my fluids? The few humans that are chosen as liaisons with our computer overlords will, you know, benefit. The rest of us will be hooked up like dairy cows, which yeah. I will not find enjoyable at all.
0: If I don't you, know. If you really want to go dark a, a long way down the road, you know, the concerns people had about the Soviet Union. Uh, eventually expanding in the in the world, going into a you know the entire world be, being under totalitarian rule. Mm-hmm.
4: Boy, that could
1: happen with AI, and it'd be you could actually could control the masses. I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at any method of dissent you can think of, from holding a meeting to holding a march to publishing an, uh, a, a blog to sharing tweets uh, critical of the government, to every single method of defense, or dissent, I I should say, that you can imagine. Uh, AI could suss out who's doing what, where, and when, and with whom. Um, Encryption is probably the only defense. On the other hand, if you have a, uh, a regime of any totalitarian bent, they'd figure out who's encrypting. And then they would even ask, what are you encrypting over there? They don't care. The fact that you're encrypting would be enough. The idea that so much legal stuff, um, uh, medical stuff,
0: these are educated jobs, not just eliminating truck drivers or robots that stack boxes and warehouses, mm-hmm. but your educated jobs. Right. Used to be you get a fancy degree like that, you're probably set for life. No, computers can do that, too.
1: Yeah, some of those things. My my daughter, my very bright uh, and delightful 19-year-old daughter, is almost certainly heading toward a legal career. And we talked about that, how all of the lawyers whose professional existence is because they've accumulated a lot of knowledge. And I go to them and say, I don't have the knowledge of how to... You know, just write up the papers to incorporate. We're going to start a little business. You have that knowledge. I'll give you a few hundred bucks if you can help me fill out this paperwork. That's done. Done,
0: done, done. Or the willingness to sit in a, some law library and go through all the various his, history law to make a case. A computer can crunch all that information that exists on the planet about
1: right. a particular subject. Right. Cite the United States versus, you know, Jones. Okay, we will do. Done. Wow.
0: Oh, it's damned interesting. I don't know if I hope I live to see this or not. Well, He's claiming in 15 years, 40% of the jobs will be gone. Most of us are going to be around for that. I'll be melting into the woods with dried goods and firearms. Good luck to the rest of y'all. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.